No, I don't need my clipboard. morning we're going to start with a song and uh, it's one you'll get to sing during courses it's a little spunkier and a little different so some of you probably have heard on the radio if you haven't you'll hear it today and you'll get to sing it later during the course it's called what a glorious night what a glorious night 
came to see the baby stood by his mother's side. Here lay the Savior inside a manger. Oh, what a glorious night. Oh, what a glorious night. I hear the through a few announcements. You'll see in your bulletin you got a little card like this. <clears throat> if you're not sure what uh, BCH is, it should be Baptist Children's Homes. They're trying to raise money for children um, for Christmas dinners. So you can read all the information about that on the back and how you can give. And there is a little code that you can scan with your phone and click that link and then it'll take you right to it if you know how to do that. If you don't, it'll give you something fun to do during the announcements. Go ahead. Um, we'll have prayer meeting uh, December 27th at 6.30. Uh, 2024 is going to start the new year uh, with a fellowship month. So you're being encouraged to invite someone you know, someone you don't know, over to um, get together to have food, have a snack, um, play some games, just sit around and chat, be creative. January 14th, Pew Potato Sunday is coming up. We'll have a fellowship dinner after church. Uh, church will bring the potatoes and you bring everything to put on top of them. 
Also, there's a need for um, new team members to join the janitorial volunteers. Just last night, uh, me and my kids were all here uh, vacuuming and cleaning the toilets and everything, and I didn't monitor everything. It might be clean, it might not be, I don't know, honestly. But uh, we do our best to get it done, and uh, even if you have no real talent, if you can just go like this with a vacuum cleaner, that'll be awesome. Straight lines, crooked lines, it doesn't even matter. Just try and get everything. Uh, there's a new vacuum in the back too, which is much quieter, so you don't have to wear headphones anymore, which is great. Um, any other announcements that are not in the bulletin at this time? Any other announcements at all? Yeah, there is a sign-up sheet outside just to see if people are interested in getting together for games New Year's Eve starting at 6.30 till whenever. Um, if you let us know who will be there, then we'll know how expansive our game should be. Yeah, still a lot of cards out back. So if you haven't gotten your cards picked up before Christmas, the table right out there just before you get to the big hallway it's a big stack of cards um, that you can take home with you. They're in alphabetical order now. Nice, yeah. <laughs> to make it a little easier. Yeah, nice. Also, yeah, nursery, because something's wrong with the boiler out back, if you didn't notice, it's very cold out there, so we think the igniter is bad. Nursery is going to be in this room right back here, so if you go through that door, it'll be in the back corner. And then um, Junior Church will be in a classroom just outside here where my young adult class normally is. So, any other announcements? Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Turn your hymnals to 96. Wonderful. One, yes. Sing one, two, and four. Verses one, two, and four.
so we're going to have our scripture reading. Up there it says Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, and that will be the first part. Then I'm going to turn to Isaiah 42 and do a little more reading. Um, it's a passage I thought about using while I was preaching, but I have too many passages, so I can't keep adding more and more scripture to my message. You'll never get out of here. And uh, most of you would like to get out of here at some point, so... Uh, We're going to start in Isaiah 9 and read 1 through 7, and then I'll move and read some verses out of Isaiah 42. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Nebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You'll note that some of those are verses that we use a lot when we talk about some of the prophecies that are fulfilled when Christ comes. That'll be mentioned whenever I'm preaching In chapter 42, we're going to read a few more verses that kind of go along in that same same, uh, idea. So we'll start with verse 1. I'll probably jump to some other verses, so try and keep up, but I probably won't tell you which verses I'm going to because I'll just be jumping from one to the other. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, And he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Turn your hymnals to 122. Who is he in yonder stall? Now we'll sing this, singing first and second verse and then chorus, third, fourth, then chorus, fifth and sixth, and then the chorus. Just so you can all keep up with us. Yeah. 
together. Lord God, we just thank you for, again, churches around the world who are worshiping you today, who are honoring you today with their songs and with their gifts and with their praise to you, with the reading of scripture and with sermons being preached, proclaiming uh, good news of great joy that you have come into the world as a man to save sinners, that you love to serve, that you love to be an example for us of who we ought to be, and God, that when we fail, we know we have an intercessor for us, that we have a mediator between us and God the Father, who is Jesus Christ. God, we know that we have a Holy Spirit that prays when we don't know what to pray and ask for the things that we should ask for, and praises you with words that uh, you love to hear, even when we don't know those things. Lord God, we honor you today with our worship and with our prayer and with our praise and with the listening to your word. God, I pray that you would be honored in our, our lives. And most of all, we just thank you that you love us in our failures. Pray that we would continue in faith, continue in sharing the gospel of the good news of great joy that a Savior, Jesus Christ, is born. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> We're going to stand and sing two worship songs. First one will be, What a Glorious Night. Now we'll see if you can sing it too. Yeah, they can come up, I don't care. So if anybody wants to come up and sing it on sign language, you can. Anybody want to or not today? We'll do it again. So oh, you has got one okay, that's raising his hand. Do it from there. The twins? Come on. The twins? One. Okay. <laughs> Come on, oh, here comes Athena. There we go. Hey, stand on the Takes a little while. They figure it out. They want to come.
that this morning. They're quick and willing. I like it. Any of you can join in with all of those all the time, so I'd like to see you guys signing out there too. <laughs> Seven dismissed to junior church back there in that corner. Well, you'll all be happy to know this is a five-Sunday month, so you get me next week still. Yeah, maybe you won't be happy to hear that. But. I have rewritten this message many times, trying to uh, 
sometimes God just doesn't make me real comfortable with my message, and I just have to keep going until I try to get where he wants me. I think I've arrived, but we'll see how that works out. Last week we had good news, the first story, story number one. Do you remember who that was about? Anybody remember what the story was about last week? What's that? Yes, about the birth of John and Zachariah and Elizabeth. And uh, that was the message from last week. The weeks before that had to do with the messages of the angels and the response to those. And today, of course, we're going to have the birth of Christ, of Jesus. And so as we get into this message, you know, there are stories we love to tell about our lives, aren't there? There are stories... I get together with the family, and boy, some of the same stories come up over and over again, and we laugh just as hard as we laughed the first time when we hear them again. Those stories are stay with you forever. Some of them you're just excited about. They're stories that you appreciate, and, and they touch you, your heart. And you'll hear stories like that sometimes on Christian radio. You'll hear some testimonies that tug at your heart as well. But there's nothing like hearing the story of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and what it took to bring him to the earth. Today we're going to go over some of that and uh, actually going from the obedience of Mary and Joseph all the way through until we see Jesus as the light of the world. Now I'm not covering everything that happens in between there because we would never leave. We'd be here for a month and we're not going to do that. All of us have lunches we want, dinners we want to go to, you know. So we're not going to do that. But before we start, I just want to have a word of prayer and uh, let the Lord lead us, guide us in where he wants us to go. Gracious Father, you are an amazing God. As we open your word, we would delight in having you teach us, in having you help us to understand and to be excited by the word of our great God who loves us. Help us to to listen, to grasp it. Help me as I preach to be clear and to be able to move from one thought to the other. And uh, Lord, just help this to be a time that brings glory to you and that we might rejoice as we leave, just praising God for all that you've done. And we'll thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Today, most of the time, we'll be in Luke, but we're not going to stay there all of the time. But the story comes from Luke and from Matthew, and those are the places we're going to look at. You realize as we looked at the stories before, the angel coming and so on, that Joseph and Mary were obedient servants. Both of them responded to the angel in obedience and uh, without questioning. They grabbed a hold and were willing servants of the Lord. You remember Zechariah was a little less uh, sure about what might happen, so he asked for a sign, and the sign he got was that he would be silent, unable to speak for what amounted to almost 10 months by the time they were done. So if you think about that, imagine going without speaking for 10 months. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few of us here that couldn't imagine doing that. My wife can't th- imagine me going without speaking for 10 months at all. Uh, and <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, so... You know, we're all aware that not speaking for long periods of time would be very difficult for us. We have things to say. Sometimes some of us have too much to say. Others don't have enough to say. We want them to say more. And uh, I know once in a while my wife will look like she's not real happy with me and I'll say, what's wrong? And she'll say, nothing. And I can tell by the way she says it that that's not true but I can't get her to give me the rest of the information. She, uh, she's afraid that if she says any more, she'll say something she wishes she didn't say. So she doesn't say anything, which is worse than saying it, I think. I, I'd rather hear it. 
than to be left in a quandary. But we all have things to say. We all want to talk. Well, here, uh, of course, we had Zachariah who then didn't talk and finally does whenever his son's born. And it's pretty exciting stories. This story is exciting in a whole different way because the one who comes isn't coming in the normal fashion. Oh, he's birthed into the world, but he's a product of the Holy Spirit. He's in the womb of Mary to be delivered, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gives that child to them. And so it's not like we're used to hearing. This was a virgin, and we know that that was a sign given back in Isaiah 7, where it tells us, I'll have to go back there to quote it. should be pretty easy. I've been back here a lot lately. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. It goes on and talks more about what that child will be like, but the biggest thing is to recognize that this child was, there was prophecy about this child. And it would come through a virgin. That's a pretty strong sign, don't you think? Uh, that's almost as good as not being able to speak. I think probably better. Uh, that took a miracle. That took something we can't imagine ever happening. And uh, Mary accepted it as the angel told her how. And so there was obedience in that. Joseph's obedience came as a result of wanting to quietly divorce his wife because she was with child, which would make her unfaithful. Um, but the angel came and said, don't be afraid of taking Mary as your wife because the child is from the Holy Spirit. So he didn't have to worry about her unfaithfulness or any of that stuff. And so his obedience was accepting the story from the angel, and taking her as his wife. And that's where we get to when we get to today. Now we have God, the Son, coming into the world as a babe. So if we look, look in Luke chapter 1, and we go back just for a second when the angel talked to Mary, we're looking in verse 31, and he's telling Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he gives a description. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So she's going to give birth to a son, and again the angel gives a name. Uh, angel, this angel's very directive, making sure they know what they're supposed to call these children, and this time it's Jesus. Well, Jesus is a particularly unique name in the sense that it means Jehovah saves or Jehovah is salvation. The Lord saves, we would say. The Lord is salvation. And and if we look at what he said to, to uh, Joseph, he says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save their people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. So this name's unique in the sense of it being descriptive of the child. That's not the only name they give him. In fact, with uh, with I think it's Joseph. Now I'm, now I'm stuck for a second. I have to look. I have to look at my notes. Yeah, Matthew 1, <laughs> 22. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this birth is going to be unique. It's going to be God the Son coming in the flesh. So as John says in First John or in John 1, which we studied on the first Sunday, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that person was, the Word was with God, the Word was God. 
This is the, the word that called everything into being and still holds it in being. So this great God who has much glory is coming as a babe in a manger. It's a unique story. And it causes great rejoicing. Uh, they're waiting for the Messiah to come. And he's taking it steps further. When we read in Isaiah uh, chapter 42, and this comes up quite often in Isaiah, but in other places too, in Isaiah 42, he makes comments to the fact that this is the servant, chosen servant, but he ends up saying, uh, I will take hold of your hand, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. Many times, even in the Old Testament, are comments that this isn't just to bring Israel back to God, but it's to open the doors to the Gentiles to know him. And so with these prophecies comes a comment on it being a, an opening, a offering for the Gentiles to know him. I'm one of the Gentiles. So he's talking about the rest of the world. In case you struggle with that sometimes, it's just talking about the rest of the world other than the Jews. That offering's made to the world then. So they give them names, Jesus, Emmanuel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, John 1, 1 and 2, the idea that he was with God and was God. Uh, you, you get this description of God the Son who was going to come as a baby. So then you come to the birth. Now certain things had to happen for this birth to fulfill prophecy. One of the ones was what the census was taken for. Do you remember where they had to go? Where did Joseph have to go for the census? And his hometown was Bethlehem. He had to go back to the hometown. Why was that important? Because in, in Micah, it talks about the fact that it was a prophecy that this child would come from... Yeah, that I won't be able to find this book for some... Yes, I will. There it is. I've been in these so many times, it kind of opens up to it if I get close. So it makes it easier. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That double statement is from before the beginning. And he's commenting on the one who will come through Bethlehem. Now you remember when, uh, I think it was Andrew who went to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's comment was, can anything good come from Nazareth? But there was a fault there in the sense that he had, didn't realize that Jesus came from Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth, but he, was, he fulfilled the prophecy. And that was important to recognize. So here the birth, the census was called. They go to Bethlehem. It was time, and you know the story. There was no room in the inn. Get to the right page here. So the census was being taken, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave first birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger 
because there was no guest room available for them. There's nowhere else. So they had to go to a manger and place him in a manger. Now, you are the Son of God. God the Son. And you come to earth, and where's your first place to sleep? It's in a manger. As a baby. You recognize that being God, he was still able to be everywhere. But he came purposely, veiled his glory, and came as a babe to our earth. With a purpose in mind, which we'll explore as we go. But he comes, here he is in the babe, lays in a manger, and in John 1.14, there's that reminder that he came in the flesh to dwell among us, born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. Uh, he's the firstborn son. So at some point, what do they have to do with the firstborn son? He's been born. He's in a manger. You, you know, it's the story of, of, of the birth of Christ is shorter than the one of, of John the Baptist. If we read the passages, the one's shorter. If you read a lot of passages, like all the prophecies, it gets longer. But the bottom line is, the story in Luke is kind of short. To the point. They went to the census. Jesus was born. And he's laid in a manger. And then you start hearing about the reaction of others, of uh, other stories, which I'm not telling yet because that story doesn't come up till next week. So, but this week we're talking about Jesus. And this is kind of a short story unless you start thinking through other things. But he's the firstborn. What's required in the Old Testament of the parents and their firstborn son? Firstborn child. Firstborn anything. They consecrate it to God. It has to be consecrated to God. So they take Jesus at eight days to be consecrated to God. It says, uh, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to, uh, then they offer a sacrifice in keeping with what's said of the law, a pair of doves and two young pigeons for purification rite. And that's taken care of at the same time. Now, at that consecration, they have to name the child. Under normal circumstances, they would have named him after his father. But here they name him Jesus. Just like Zachariah named his John. That was unusual. Here they name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So he's the firstborn. He's now consecrated to the Lord, given to the Lord for service. And we start to end up with a few testimonies. And this, to me, is a cool part of the story. The first testimony we'll go to is in chapter, is in verse 29 and following. And it's the story of Simeon. Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the law, custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
So the Messiah has come, Simeon sees him, and his response is, this is ultimately good for your people Israel and a light for the revelation of the Gentiles. He was prepared to come, not just to take care of Israel, but to call the Gentiles, the rest of us, to him as well. They marveled at that and, and thought on it. Um, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Coming in contact with Jesus has an effect. So there was another person who rejoiced. There was a prophet named Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So if two people that come upon them realize who this is, one takes them and talks about them and rejoices in what he's going to do. The other one is excited about it and can't keep quiet. Tells everybody that she runs into. She's 84 years old. She tells everybody she runs into about the coming of the Messiah, about Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing reactions, don't you think? To coming in contact with Jesus. So there's much rejoicing. Um, Mary rejoices in Luke 1. Uh, that's back in her dissertation, 46 through, uh, through 47, just those two verses. And Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She's rejoicing. Zechariah rejoices in his song. He says, uh, 68 and uh, 76 through 79, 68, he says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Because of the tender mercy to give his people, let me start in the right place here. 76. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So he came with this purpose in mind. He came to be the Savior of the world. Simeon rejoiced. Anna rejoiced. For me, is a realization that this should bring great rejoicing for us. Approaching Christmas we like many of the things we do at Christmas to celebrate. But the most incredible part of the celebration ought to be the joy that we have because Jesus Christ came. And that's a little different because a lot of things get in the way of that. A lot of things. It's great. We can get family together, but sometimes the Lord gets lost when we get together. I've been going to Eggleston reunions for a long time. It's, I started going when I met Anita, well, a little while after I met Anita. I wasn't really allowed to date her, so it took a few years before I got to go to a reunion. But when I did, I so enjoyed the difference in that reunion compared to other ones because they rejoiced in a Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a different, it's a different setting. 
when you go to be around a lot of people who love the Lord. It's a whole different setting. The world doesn't rejoice the same way. You go through a Walmart and tell, say to people, Merry Christmas, and a lot of them are stunned that you said it. And uh, I do get Merry Christmases back. And every once in a while, I run into somebody who wants to talk more about it. And that's exciting. But Christmas is about Jesus Christ coming. As we look at other scripture that go along with us, I'm looking now further past his coming and why he came. In Philippians chapter 2, I think I marked it so I can get there faster, but maybe not. In chapter 2 it says, you want to have the mindset that Christ had, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So you think about what he came for, what he planned to do. He prepared in advance to come and to die on a cross. He came as a human being. All God and all human. So that he could die for our sin. Romans 5, 6-8 says, At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came, he lived those years, all with the same purpose, to die on a cross for the ungodly, for us, so that we could know him. John 1, 4-5 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not understood it. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When you look at the story of Christ's coming, as I looked at it, I thought, what can I say? You've heard this story every year since you've come to know Christ. You know the story. What could I say? And my thoughts revolved around the fact that it is mind-blowing to me, overwhelming me, that Christ came and he came for me. He came to die on a cross for a sinful man. I won't point at all you because I'll let you figure that out on your own. But he died for us. He came with that purpose in mind as a baby. There was much rejoicing around that baby coming. His parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, even John in the womb, rejoiced. And we look at all those things. When it comes right down to it, that's where we ought to be. We ought to be rejoicing. I appreciated the songs. I didn't, haven't been picking the songs, by the way. My wife has. She thought it took pressure off me. And it did. But she's picked perfect songs. She picked songs that talked about Jesus Christ and how amazing it is what he's done for us and how we can rejoice in that. That night, what a glorious night it must have been. We're going to talk about the glorious night next week. But today, I just want you to get locked into the glory of Jesus Christ. The joy. The excitement. It has changed your life. And if it hasn't, you have a chance to believe and have your life changed. Jesus Christ died for you. Rejoice.
Get excited. Tell others. Be like Anna. Tell everybody you run into about Jesus Christ. All month I've been preaching half-hour sermons, which is really unusual for me. You can ask anybody around me. I usually go 40, 45 minutes, but I'm, I'm ready to be done. You're going to get to go home early. Again. But I want you to go home excited about Jesus Christ. Rejoice in our Savior. It's an amazing reminder every year that we get to talk about the virgin birth, about Jesus Christ coming, about the angels who deliver the messages, about the excitement around Christ coming. So as we go, remind your heart and your life that you are Jesus Christ and what kind of a price he's paid. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you're an amazing God. We're so grateful for your love, for all that you do for us. The reminder at this time of year that your son Jesus Christ came in the flesh as a baby in a manger and then lived out 30 plus years until he died on a cross for our sin. Thank you for that gift, that incredible gift that is far beyond anything we could ever pay back. Thank you for doing that for us because of your love for us. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I don't think Cheryl's class will be back in here, so we'll... I have a gift for her, but if she's not here, I can't give it to her. So maybe I'll take it home. If one of you wants to get her, we can give it to her as we sing. Um, we're going to sing number 93, that beautiful name. Uh, thanks, Janet, or Josh, or both. 93, that beautiful name. We'll sing a couple of verses while we're waiting for, Rachel, for Cheryl. You know, Cheryl's our secretary, and she does a number of things for us. We just want to tell her how much we appreciate the effort she puts into it. Huh? We're going to sing one and two right now. One and two. I know of a name, a beautiful name that angels brought down to earth. They whispered it low one night long ago to a maiden of lowly birth. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, from sin as power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus. I know of a name, a beautiful name, that unto a babe was given. The stars glittered bright throughout that glad night, and angels praised God in heaven. That beautiful name, that beautiful name, from sin has power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus. This is this is hard for my sister, you know, she'll probably get teary-eyed, but... I recognize as much as anybody how much work you do because you're stuck dealing with me. <laughs> so this is in appreciation for your year's work. Thank you. I love working with her because she knows she has to remind me about everything.
What's that? Oh, I'm losing things. I dropped my mic too. When did I do that? Oh, okay. We are dismissed. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>